Welcome to The Golfing Mind, the podcast, which, as dedicated listeners, you'll know, is all about the the game of golf and its many variations. And where appropriate, we will try and address the mental game of golf, as indeed we can approach the mental game of life, an area we are fascinated by, but no more than we are fascinated by golf at the professional and uh, amateur and the club level. As always, I'm joined by two of my co-hosts, my regular co-hosts. Um, normally, you'd say something really quite complimentary about them, but quite frankly, I think we need to stick to the truth. So let me just uh, say, first of all, from Bolton in England, and for those of you that don't know Bolton, from my American friends, it's a bit like Detroit, but without the charm. And uh, many of the people who come from there have that quality. Please welcome Mike Kershaw. Hello, Mike. Afternoon, Robin. How dare you you disparage the great Bolton? There are many listeners of this podcast who no doubt will have come from Bolton and feel the the um, comparison is somewhat unfair. But Bolton is a wonderful place with a very fine golf course, uh, uh, the Bolton uh, Lostock Park and Old Links, and maybe Great Leaver New, maybe not so much. But apart tell from me, that, you Bolton is the county of Lancashire. Is that correct? It certainly is. And uh, isn't the aren't the people of Lancashire famed for being notoriously tight? In fact, they taught the Scots. Is that true? <laughs> when we talk, when we're coming onto the subject of being notoriously tight, Rob, I think you're on thin ice. Anyway, very <laughs> I, nice, I, very I nice. Your, I love your here. sense of humour. But <laughs> and my other co-host is a man who does need an introduction. Um, what he doesn't know about golf can be written, um, well, it can be written all over the place because he knows a lot about golf, but he doesn't know everything. But today he may give you the impression he does. Uh, Neil Faulkner. Good afternoon, Neil. Robin, how are you? You you do appear to have got out the wrong side of the bed today. Can I, can I, can I venture? Is that because of my bed hair that I still have at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon? Yes. Tell me, yeah. do you ever get, do you ever get bed hair, Neil? Bed hair? Yeah. What's bed hair? When you wake up, your hair is all over the place. Oh, I see. Right. right. <laughs> no, 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 not so much. Not so much now. For listeners, uh, just in case you didn't get it, that the gist of that, but Neil has no hair, clearly. I didn't say that. Anyway, Unlike Robin and I, I get bad hair a lot, Robin. I'm completely yeah, I, I sell. I, I sell my hair to wig manufacturers so, every six months. Um, but let's get on with the subject of today because the topic is it's about two of the finest golfers in the world currently who are not winning as they should be. And it's uh, Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler. And after the recent Open Championship in the United Kingdom, um, a lot of the post-tournament analysis wasn't so much about Brian Harmon's wonderful win. And can I just state, uh, specifically to Neil Faulkner, Neil has picked Brian Harmon to win the Open Championship and he got it right. And I came across no other podcaster, tipster who did that, which means for the year 2023, the golfing mind has got three out of four of the winners of the uh, majors this year. So well done, Neil. Very well done. Well, thank you. And could I just as an aside, Robin, I, I don't think Brian gets bed hair either. <laughs> that is true. Oh. You're right, he doesn't. But what a win. I think we should just quickly dwell on Brian Harmon's win for a moment here. What a what an absolutely superb win that was for a very fine golfer. 
a golfer that, as as we all know, Neil picked as a one to watch right at the beginning of the year at the, when we were talking about the players. So Great second round. Great second round. And very accomplished all weekend, given that he'd seldom been in that position before. So yeah. I'd have said he's up and down on the 18th in the third round, when, if you remember, he was he was he was leading by, you know, five. And then he hit it into the rubbish on the 18th, didn't he? And he hacked out sideways. He still had 275. He missed the green. And then it, and then he got it up and down over the bunker. And I thought that was a critical moment for the whole Open. Once he did that, you felt, actually, this guy has got has got the bottle and he isn't going to crack under under the, under the nerves. And, and uh, I thought it was a great, great moment and good for I, him. I thought one of the most telling comments he made was when they said to him after the match, when did you think about winning the Open Championship? He said, not until I was out, I'd played my bunker shot on the last hole, which tells you he was totally in the moment. And I heard that some of the spectators weren't encouraging to say that. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood was the, the fan favourite, obviously. And um, he said that somebody said, as he was walking to the third or fourth tee, you don't have the stones for this, as in you don't have the... You don't have what it takes. And he said that just really determined him to, you know, it, it motivated him. He didn't yeah. he, he didn't feel the crowd. Was, but I thought he just gave it, I think he gave a master class, honestly, on positioning the ball. He's not long, is he? Well, he's not He's not short either for a relatively short man. I mean, oh. you know, he. I, what is he, five foot seven? Yeah, 570s. How amazing it is and how well, you know, these guys can, can, you know, they can get it out there. I mean, he's well over 300 yards off the tee. You know, it's not like he's short. I think he he didn't miss a putt under eight feet all week. I think think it was even better than that, to be honest. I think think he missed one putt within the 10-foot radius all week. It was just stunning. I met... Some people who have have met him, and he calls his putter Joe's nickname for his putter, Reg. <laughs> no, no, Tom, Billy, Rover. No, it's uh, money. He just calls it money. Does he appropriately? But anyway, but after the Open Championship, the big talk. Can I, can I just add one thing, Robin? As we're being marginally congratulatory around here at the moment, and that is that the man who came tenth, the local boy, was backed by Michael Kershaw. And well done him. Thank you very much, Matthew. He Jordan. didn't. He, didn't did. he play well? Didn't he? He was good. You're right. He was. He was one of my picks, and you know, a member of Hoy Lake. And if you remember, I played against his dad. Is he a professional? Yeah. And yeah. well, I, I really hope we hear more from that guy because I think he he did a fantastic job. And sometimes, um, too often, people have their moment in the sun, and then. We don't hear from them, but I hope that's not the case. But let's talk about Rory for a second. Ten years since he's last won a major tournament. He's been close, but no cigar. Scotty Scheffler uh, this year, the putting statistics for him, his tee to green statistics are just off the scale. No one gets close to those two from tee to green. But on the green, they have their woes. Mike, do you have any idea what's gone wrong for them? Well, again, it's all relative, but... um... They, you know, I, I don't you know. The short answer is, I don't think any of us can understand how pe- guys like him or professional golfers who, who one week or one month can putt incredibly well and they go in streaks. We all, we've all seen that many times. 
Um, you will you win multiple tournaments or you win back-to-back tournaments and have a few top 10 finishes. And then suddenly, and, and when they're interviewed afterwards, they're all saying the same thing. My putt has gone cold. My putt has gone cold. So I think it's incredibly difficult to understand what uh, what is actually going wrong with these guys who are not making the putts. And it's not like they're not doing the odd the odd good round where they they're holding them. So I'm not sure. I can't I can't believe there's anything technically wrong with either Rory's or Scotty Scheffler's putting strokes. I can only think that it's you know it is getting back to that thing that we discussed a lot on this podcast, which is it it's getting them in the head. They're just not quite being confident enough. Yeah. Neil, what Neil, what do you think? The way you ask that question is interesting, Robin. What 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 are they? What's gone wrong with them? It reminds me of that story about George Best, the great footballer from Northern Ireland, who went off the rails a bit with alcohol and various other things, and tried to find his way back into the game of football, having left Manchester United under a cloud. And two or three years later, he was playing an occasional game for Fulham. And George, George, George turned up sometimes, didn't turn up others. So they didn't pay him unless he turned up. And when he did turn up, he added considerably to the gate money. So they'd give him cash every week he turned up and played. And he turned up to play one week and they gave him £2,000, which he put in his pocket, which is an awful lot of money back in the 1970s. And he was dating... Miss World, a girl called Marie Stavins, I think, a, a statuesque Swedish girl. And he went back to Browns, which is the private hotel that Manchester United used to stay in. And after a fantastic meal, uh, he and Marie Stavins got in the lift to go up to the penthouse. And the guy who was operating the lift said, George, oh, it's terrible. I just don't know where it's all gone wrong for you. To which he thought to himself, Hold on, I'm going up to the penthouse suite in Browns, £2,000 in my pocket, and Miss World on my arm. <laughs> and he's wondering where it all went wrong for me. <laughs> yeah, but the truth is, for these guys, they're now playing for legacy. They've got their major titles. Where do they stand in the uh, pantheon of the game? And I think my personal thing is that McElroy not winning the the uh, Masters first when he had that four-stroke lead going into the final round really damaged them a lot more. At a, at a psyche level, not didn't damage him as a human being, but I think that his, under the deepest analysis, I think there's a sort of fear of uh, it all going wrong. I mean, last year at the Open Championship, he took a two-stroke lead into the final round at St. Andrews, where every golfer would want to play. And to be fair, and he shot, I think he was two under for that round, but no one could have seen Cameron Smith shooting an eight under par. But um, my feeling... Well, that was a great example of putting winning. And yes. putting at the end of the day, this is the, you know, the old adage about drive for show, putt for dough. And in this particular case, with these two, putt for legacy. Um, this is what it's all coming down to now with these guys. There is nothing to pick, really, between Rahm, Scheffler, McElroy, and frankly, a whole half a dozen of others, T to Green. They're all amazingly good. Uh, they're all e- pretty much equal. It's just who on the day... Is gonna is gonna come through with the with the with the short stick and but and that don't, is you, obviously- don't you think don't you think Mike the Rory McIlroy's putting coach I believe is Brad Faxton I'm pretty sure it's Brad Faxton and Faxton was used no, to be Faxton. on Faxton Faxton, Faxton. Yeah. Brad Faxton and he was considered one of the best putters on the PGA. There's another guy called the boss of the Moss. Uh, can't remember who that was. 
Um, but Brad Faxon is a phenomenal putter, and he get he's coaching Rory, whose work ethic, whose will to win, and all these things can't be questioned. So you get the best golfer, one of the best golfers in the world, with one of the best coaches in the world, putting in the dedicated practice. So I think it's between his ears, and I think at a very subconscious level, he tries too hard. I think he doesn't, what I call, there's an expression I use, which is surrender to your talent. And I think he's he's tries too hard. I mean, that's just my take on it. As for Scheffler, Scheffler's putting has just been awful um, by at this level he's playing. And I really don't know enough about Scotty Scheffler to, to pass sort of an informed comment. But um, it's a bit like, and the opposite of those two, I think, is Jordan uh, Spieth. I mean, there's Spieth who won. What if that? You know, when he won the Open Championship and won it that year when he won the Masters, he was sinking putts from all over the place. Just phenomenal putter. So, I mean, my my concern is that McIlroy's not going to win another major. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong. But I I don't see how he, other than just him just surrendering and not getting too invested in it. I'm not sure what the best thing to do is. Do you, do you know whether his stats change from day to day? Is is he is he less? Is he is is? Uh, or do his talents diminish during the week? I mean, is is he a very bad last round putter in particular compared to the other day? I I don't know. That's a very um, good question, Neil. I think the answer is probably yes. I mean, if you just look at the number of times he's in contention, are we talking about McElroy here? McElroy feels like he has a poor final round and has had a poor final round in recent years largely and a lot of that has been he's just not made the charges that jack and the others used to make or tiger used to make in the final round you know when they, when they could or mickelson is a good example of that he'll suddenly go on a on a on a charge and he hasn't really done that he's he's tended to be a quite you know quite well up there with a great chance and then and then not not hold the putts that he should have held and that was certainly the case in the US Open wasn't it and it was certainly the case I would have said at, at, at Hoylake as well. So, and 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 in, and the other majors this year, he's had chances only when he's completely out of it, like in the Masters last year, um, and he comes in with a sixty-four in the final round. It's only when he's completely got no chance of winning, and he did come second then, but he by by a bit of a distance. Um, uh, is, will he? Does he let himself go? And that's what maybe you're right, Rob. Maybe it's that's the point. He surrenders to his talent. But you know what? What's extraordinary about Scotty Scheffler is he's he's won four majors, four majors now, three no, majors. one. He's won one major. Masters. I think. Uh, well, we can we can I can check that as you. Sorry, guys. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's only won the Masters, hasn't he? Apologies. Yeah, you should acknowledge there. Should have known that. Uh, I was thinking, I think I had Brooks Kepsker in my head as one for majors. Um, but you know, he's done that despite not, and he's won a lot, a lot on the US tour, despite not being a good putter, which suggests his 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 game is is actually quite a lot further ahead than some of the others. Yeah, one thing I noticed when I watched McElroy, and no one else seemed to notice this. Every putt he missed was on the low side, which right. is always called the amateur side. You know, they say professionals will miss the ball on the high side because they're really giving it, but he was missing. I think he puts very conservatively. He puts not to three putt. That's my thinking. I mean, yeah. having said that, I played the other day at West Hill. Remember when we used to play golf West Hill? And I yeah. had six six three putts in the first nine holes. But I was yeah. my tee to green was 
up there with McElroy and Scheffler. Probably better, <laughs> but uh, no one was keeping those to be surprised. I mean, you've always been a rubbish putter. Anyway, um, I've written a book in but, you, know, but you remember Matt, Tiger in his prime. You, you're probably right about defensive putting, but Tiger used to used to used to go for everything, didn't he? And he was a very very good return putter. He would always have the three or four or five footers beyond beyond the hole. And I think that maybe you maybe you're right. Maybe McElroy has a little bit of defensiveness in him. So I mean, what would you do if you were him now? Well, if I was, I mean, asked to sort of culture council uh McElroy I would sort of say you've already established your legacy your Ryder Cup record is fantastic you have three majors to your name you oh. have enough money to live on or four majors to live on for the rest of your life in some style I said so the only thing you need now to do is to enjoy that what you've achieved and just let go don't Put yourself because you're going into the tournament favorite so often, you you're trying not to lose it, as opposed to, as you said, Mike, the final round of the Masters. He went out there, he couldn't win it, and he just let rip. What would you do, Neil? What would I do with Rory? Yeah. I, I I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know whether the uh, the these days whether I'm, I, a loss has been said about his caddy over the time and i suspect his caddy is a very good guy and a very able caddy do you know is, is it a question of him getting another sight on reading a reading the greens though he, he doesn't seem to use his caddy very much would that be a better thing to do don't know some some players tend to like using their caddy to take a give them a view on the green others others not not so much um well, maybe think, maybe maybe he'd do that with no with, with with no one well i think is i understand his caddy is one of his probably his best friend from yeah, harry yeah harry and i think having your best friend in your bag can be very comforting and reassuring in a crisis so having a a familiar face that you know just adores you has got your back i think it's a good thing i think you know a caddy can give you i think Harry would be best advised just to whatever Rory sees to reinforce it. But I think for, for McElroy, my advice would be, Rory, just let go. Don't Stop worrying about it now. I mean, you know how to putt, but that's it. For Scheffler, for Scheffler, I just think Scheffler, I would go back to basics. I'd say to Scheffler, look, you've got a very unique golf swing and it works and it repeats. Your putting stroke isn't working for you and don't start going down rabbit holes of different lots of different things like claw grips or disc grip or that grip just get back to basics and then just do dedicated mental conditioning exercises for the green and practice i mean obviously i'm not seeing anything he hasn't heard so i, mean, I think it is a bit of a mystery i think the general consensus is they're in a slump and they'll come out the slump that's the general consensus but will they do it in the majors i am not sure Slumps. Well, I didn't call it a slump, a isn't it? Term. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not sure they're in a slump exactly. A putting uh, slump. They're in a they're in a final round putting slump. Look, how's that sound? Well, just just going back to that point I made about caddies. When 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 Lee, Lee Trevino had a caddy called Herman, and he Lee had a six or seven foot putt to win his first tournament, and was very nervous and said to Herman, "What should I do?" And Herman said. Hit it low, and 
And he did, and he held it. And, you know, I think um, a degree of levity can maybe sometimes help. Matt, look, Max Faulkner's caddy in the final round when he played one of his Open Championship in Ireland, I think it was 1951, I'm not sure of the date, he had a caddy that used to have opera glasses with no glass in them. And when, if, when he was asked to give a read, famously, he got his, his glasses out, looked through these uh, opera glasses and said to Max Faulkner, I think it's slightly straight. <laughs> and I agree with you. I think a bit of levity it would uh, is probably not a is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so that's that. I've said on this podcast many times. Putting is a game within a game. It's uh, it is an extremely difficult, very very difficult thing to get right because there are so many there are so many elements to it in terms of reading, in terms of wind, in terms of slope, in terms of strike, in terms of um, ball roll, and so on. Um, and that it's very you only have one tiny little thing to get wrong and it's missed and it can we've seen see this so often on these championships you know people missing putts that you know you, you you just can't believe could miss and sometimes they do or they stay on the lip it's a very 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 difficult thing to get right and i suppose in the end you know the law of averages comes into play that that you know they that and that's why people have streaks is sometimes it just goes and it happens and and it does it must boost the confidence i mean we all know when we've we're on when we're putting well and you're feeling confident over four footers your your mindset on the over the whole game is is better than when you've missed a few and and we all know that that that's a critical part of the game is is just how you feel as you're over that putt and sometimes the the hole looks big and sometimes it looks minuscule and you'll, you'll well, never... Look, Tom Watson was one of the best putters from four feet for seven or eight years. And if he missed it, he'd go three feet past and make the return like Arnold Palmer. But they both said, you know, once you start having to make four footers for par, it takes its... It wears in your nerves. I was just going to finish off by saying Adam Scott as uses a broom putter. He doesn't anchor it, but he's got that long, long putter. And he was always using a Scotty Cameron prototype uh, and he switched it to a thing called an LAB, um, and it's a ME double Z. It's an LAB. It's a lab, and it's very unique. It's kind of like a horseshoe shape. But anyway, the reason I mentioned this is last week, uh, ten days ago, I I'm giving a shout out now to uh, a young fellow, Charlie Barr. He's 20 years of age, and he's just qualified for the U.S. Amateur Championship. And I was up in Scotland playing with him at uh, Gullen Muirfield North Berwick. And he had this putter that I'd never seen before. And his father said that he'd been having real problems with his putter. So he got this particular putter, the LAB. Can I tell you, at Gullen, uh, number one, I played with him. He had eight birdies. His putting was phenomenal. And he just, and he said this putter has given him incredible confidence. And I think putting is a game of confidence. And sometimes when you're in a, bit of a slump you maybe need to to change so well, well i mean but the putter can actually also make a difference seems to have made a big difference to ricky fowler oh huge I mean, you know he was he, i always used to say that he was that he had the putting stroke that i would like would have liked more than anything and he and then he ended up in a proper slump didn't he for a while and now he's come back largely because he's got a new putter that everyone need, uh, Wyndham clark then got the same and won the us open with i think no, by the way um, speaking yeah, of speaking Technology, technologically, this is also making a big difference. And maybe Scotty and Rory, I'm sure they do try new putters all the time, but maybe that's something that will will will, will make a difference. 
Okay, quick question to you both. Neil, when I first met you, I remember I'm really admiring your your ping answer putter. Really? And that was over 30 years ago. How many putters have you had since then? Uh, I still use the ping answer. The original one that I saw 30 years ago? I I, I do, yes. And have you ever I tried other? Have you ever? I, I, don't, I don't putt very well with it, but I, I like it. I like the feel of it. I like the shape of it. I, I have occasionally used a heavier putter. Um if if I'm if I'm playing somewhere with very large greens, so where you need to hit the ball a bit harder. Uh-huh. But the pig answer is one of the great putters ever made, and you know you, you you're never going to go wrong with that. I've got one in the garage. And Mike, what are you playing with? What are you putting with? Uh, I'm playing with a, a, another ping, but I'm playing with more of a mallet. I've changed actually from a a, a more of an answer shape to a mallet shape recently. Um, I just find I change putters all the time because I, I yeah no I'm so I need to change. Funnily enough, I've been using a Scotty Cameron ping uh, lookalike, and I've moved to a uh, to uh, Odyssey two ball, and um, now that they're obviously bad badly made clubs because none of them seem to work for me. Yeah, and as you just told us, six three putts in the first nine at West Hill this week doesn't sound like you're using it's working. But you know, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I've written a book of putting. I was missing two foot putts. I mean, I stood over it, and I was putting a card in for my handicap. And I, I mean, it was ridiculous. I had. I, I couldn't I, believe you've written a book on putting either. Sorry, is that what? No. <laughs> well, the mental game of putting, I should add, the mental game of putting, and yeah. it was a case of physician heal thyself, uh, which was a little trickier. Than I had led others to believe, but uh, yeah. it was all good. Well, look, I, I think we've conclusively demonstrated that we don't absolutely know for certain or for sure what they should be doing, but uh, I, I know we both wish them the very best going forward, apart from the week of the Ryder Cup, which we'll discuss next week uh, when it comes to that. So that's it for this week. As always, if you're really keen to learn more about the mental game of golf, and you should be, why wouldn't you be? I mean, God. I can't believe the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of listeners to this podcast um, probably would do well to explore doing some mental conditioning exercises, but I would say that. Go to seagergolf.com for more information. But that's it from for us today. I'd like to thank Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Robin. Always a joy to speak to you. And Neil, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Robin. And that's it for this week. Until we speak again, have a wonderful time and play good golf wherever you are.